0: what's up everybody welcome to the dad fit podcast i'm the host barrett nobel here with my buddy jake i i'm god i feel like such an idiot i never remember to ask people how do you pronounce your last name <laughs> <laughs> no, i guess
1: it's, I, it's exactly how if you just sounded out it's montalbano
0: oh all right yeah so i <laughs> it's funny because before <laughs> you joined i actually like i'm gonna practice this montalbano Mont- yeah I, I guess i could have got it again yeah that's just exactly like that yep right on man yeah like maybe that's just my thing i just forget to ask everyone's last name
1: <laughs> right right on. so how you doing jake i'm doing good it's uh you know some one of those things where you know we get up and it's a beautiful day outside so starting off with doing this and we're gonna get outside later so it's gonna be a good day yeah
0: yeah i'm looking forward to it it's, i thought it was supposed to be uh rainy weather today but it turns out they were completely wrong yet again thankfully so right. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to get some eh, not fun but i'll be able to get some yard work and catch up on household stuff today with my wife so it's sure. bittersweet <laughs> <laughs> you're down in florida you said right
1: yeah yeah we um we were originally from missouri but we moved down here um in 2020 actually so we've just been here for right at three years now. So nice. it's been, you know, it's nice to trade in the, especially in the wintertime, to trade in the, the Midwest winters for living in the South where you can, you know, basically be outside, you know, any any time of the year. So that's been, it's been a nice thing for us, you know, just as a family getting outside more. And, um, you know, for me, it's it's been nice to kind of, you know, be able to take advantage of that, you know, um, in terms of, you know, just my own, you know, fitness and stuff like that. But also, um, you know, as a high school football coach, it makes it a lot easier to do stuff too. So, yeah,
0: yeah. Your, uh, your background picture is like perfect,
1: serene example of what I would imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we definitely have, uh, a bit of like a beach vibe in our house. That's for sure. It's, um, Try to combine. My wife calls it um, coastal farmhouse, I think. So, <laughs> you know, awesome. combine like a farmhouse, you know, because we, we, we grew up on a farm, but then also, you know, the, the beach style as well. So try to combine the best of both worlds.
0: I bet our wives would get together because she, I mean, we live like two minutes away from the beach and she loves farmhouse. I mean, we have chickens and she, like, farmhouse chic is how she likes to look for oh, nice. to describe her style. So. <laughs> right. That's perfect. So, yeah. Tell us a bit about your background, man. How did you get into, f- I mean, coaching f- high school football? That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up, I was always a big, um, you know, a big sports person. Um, you know, I played football for a long time, baseball, wrestling, track, a little, you know, lots of things. Yeah. Um, but football was always, like, the, my my big love when it came to sports. Um, and, like, a lot of, you know, younger kids that play I thought for sure, you know, I was definitely going to go to the NFL someday, you know, (laughs) and then you get to high school and you start seeing, okay, well, I've got some some offers to go to some really small colleges. But, you know, the Division one schools are not knocking down my door. So probably not going to play, you know, as a professional player. So what's the next best thing? And, you know, that's kind of how I decided to get into coaching. And so, um, you know, for me, it just seemed kind of like a natural fit kind of from the beginning. Um, I played in college for a a little while and then, um, I ended up stopped playing, but then I actually started coaching even while I was still in college, finishing my degree. And so I started coaching middle school football while I was still going to school myself. Um, and then as soon as I graduated, I started coaching at the high school level. So, um, this is, uh, getting ready to be, I think it's, it's either my 18th or 19th year coaching football, either at the middle school or high school level. Um, you know, and I've, and I've been everything from, like I said, you know, at the bottom of the level, bottom of the totem pole at the middle school level, all the way to being a a varsity head coach and everything kind of in between. So, um, you know, sports have always been a big thing in our family. My wife has also been a coach. She's also a teacher and has been a coach for a long time as well. Um, she's coached volleyball and softball and stuff. So, you know, for us, uh, sports has been, you know, really a, a big thing. For us, you know, as a family, and really it's been kind of, I would say, a bonding experience, you know. I mean, whether it's going to sports games or just, you know, playing sports together as a family, you know, out in the yard or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, sports has kind of been one of those things that have always kind of, you know, given us kind of a common ground. You know, we, um, we have three kids. We have a daughter who is, um, she's a little bit older now. She's 21. And then we have twin boys who are 12. And, you know, each of them in their own ways also, you know, have been um, sort of flocked to sports in some fashion. Um, You know, one of my two boys is uh, he's a football player. He's like me where football is his, his big love. And so we're kind of starting the process, you know, as they're getting into middle school and he's starting to, you know, be around the program all the time and that type of stuff. So that's going to be kind of a fun thing to, to experience over the next several years um but yeah for us you know sports has been you know people talk about we're a sports family like we're we're definitely a sports family (laughs) through and through um you know and I think it's really it's so important you know regardless of what sport it is um you know to have that you know just even from from a lifestyle standpoint you know I mean um while you can't necessarily play tackle football when you get out and as an adult and your playing days are over, you know, there's things you can do, whether it's co-ed softball or, you know, there's, you know, adult basketball, you know, whatever it is. I think, um, you know, just creating, you know, kind of a culture within our family of, you know, trying to make activity a priority, I think, is, you know, something that um, my wife and I really kind of, Try to strive towards. It's something that we really, like I said, we we make it a big priority in our house, um, you know. And also, it's it's it carries over, you know, into so many different other aspects. You know, I know um, one of the things that I write about a lot is kind of some of the the challenges that I've gone through or that we've gone through as a family. And you know, yeah, a, as a as a football coach, as we try to teach our young men how to be prepared for life. You know, I know even for me. Uh, some of the challenges I've gone through as an adult, you know, it's it's not so much the the wins and losses that, that you really get value from, but it's the lessons that you learn, you know, um, yeah. you know, the value of hard work, the value of, you know, delayed gratification, you know, in society nowadays, you know, instant gratification is such a, a huge thing. And it's a problem for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, but when you play sports, you know, or, or just, like, starting a fitness program, you know, like, to understand that you're not going to get fast results, but, but that it's worth it in the end. I mean, that that's such a valuable skill. And I think those of us who have been involved in sports in some fashion, I think, really have a, a kind of a unique perspective on that. Because whether it's football or, or track or swimming, whatever it is, you're not going to be good at it to start with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's going to take time to get good at it, you know, even – the most naturally gifted athlete is going to have a learning curve, and so I think there's a lot of value in you know learning those skills that aren't necessarily sport specific. But yeah, and even
0: with the naturally gifted folks, I think they're almost at a disadvantage because they oh I can do this pretty easily, pick it up, but then they don't actually learn the lesson of I have to put in the work to make this sure. like a long term thing because they're just so good at it initially versus. The kid who's like, "Oh man, I'm getting my s b every day," and he's the one who keeps showing up and keeps showing up, and then eventually, he built that nice foundation, and he's just gonna surpass the naturally gifted athlete unless that person is like determined, like I was saying.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I think you even see like with the like the top level athletes, and they try to get into coaching, and they struggle, you know, because they don't they don't necessarily relate to that average you know (laughs) athlete who's trying to make it work by just outworking people and it's like they don't they almost like don't relate to that you know so yeah Yeah, it's funny (laughs)
0: that's a good it's a good way to put it that would be kind of frustrating if i was that just regular joe athlete and i had like this superstar coach he's like just just do it it's it's easy i'm like dude it's right
1: (laughs) yeah exactly i saw a little clip on i think youtube or something like that the other day it was a Michael Jordan. He's like, what, like 55, 56 years old now. And he just like effortlessly jumped up and just dunked it with ease, you know. And it's like, you know, if you're sitting there as a as a 25-year-old athlete trying to work and you've got, you know, my 55-year-old Michael Jordan, <laughs> who's just like, oh, you just throw it down. It's easy. You know, and it's like, uh, I'm just hoping I can jump at all when I'm 55, you know. So yeah, yeah. it's a totally different thing. But especially without getting hurt. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: how do you think, uh, becoming a dad has shifted your, um, athletic pursuits and abilities? I know you said you've always been an athlete and stuff, but has it shifted your mindset at all since becoming a father?
1: Um, yeah, a a lot, actually. Um, it's kind of interesting because, you know, when, when I first became a dad, um, you know, you, you you quickly realize you have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) And so that's. (laughs) That's the first thing, you know, and and then I think you start to, at some point, and I don't know, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but at some point it becomes, okay, well, you know, what are some of the best things from my childhood that I definitely want to implement? And then what are some things that I did not necessarily feel like I got growing up that I want to make sure that my kids get, you know, and I think that is, it, you kind of find a blend of both of those um, for me, I feel like I, I kind of, I kind of look at my, I guess my journey as a dad in kind of two categories. Um, you know, there is like the beginning where I was, you know, figuring it out and, and kind of making progress and that type of stuff. And then, um, you know, I've almost had like, kind of like a, a, a reestablishment of my dad journey, I guess, which is kind of what coincided with me starting my, my Twitter account, the dad dynasty account, because, um, you know, what I unfortunately kind of, I guess through trial and error figured out is that, you know, as you go through things as a family, if you are not very, very careful, you can allow, um, being the combination of husband and dad and all the struggles you go through to really derail your progress, you know? Um, yeah for me, you know, I went from being, you know, I mean, not that it was like division one or anything, but I was a college football player, you know, working out, you know, when I was in high school and college, I was a 700 pound squatter. And I was doing, you know, I was doing all these things nice. and, you know, I became a dad and, you know, you kind of lose your way a little bit. Um, and then for us, a, you know, a big thing, it was kind of a kind of a big life event within our family. Uh, one of my two boys um, in 2018 was diagnosed with, uh, leukemia and, and he's doing great. You know, he's perfectly, you know, fine now in remission, but just for my own individual journey, you know, I allowed that to, um, get myself to a place where I was not, you know, taking care of myself. I was not doing the things that I needed to do. Um, and so, you know, through all of that, you know, he ended up, you know, he's in remission doing great, but, now I'm not, you know, because I had allowed myself to get so unhealthy that, you know, I was not doing what I needed to do as a husband or as a father, either one. Um, kind of a big turning point for me is that, you know, I had allowed myself to get so unhealthy. Like I was struggling to to go outside and even play with my kids and stuff. You know, I wasn't an active participant, you know, within the household for my wife. You know, I was not, I was there, but I wasn't there. You know, I was there physically, but I was not there you know, fully to my capabilities, um, you know, and, and that's, and I share this, you know, I even put it in my, my pen tweet and stuff, like kind of the before and after, you know, I, I had allowed myself to get to where I was almost 500 pounds, you know, um, just because of am not taking care of myself, you know, not yeah. doing the things I know that I should have. Um, but then for me, kind of the, the, the next thing in 2021, um, I was, I got COVID pneumonia and was in the hospital, um, for six weeks. I was on the ventilator for three weeks. You know, it was one of those things where they, they, I, I, several doctors told me after that you should not have made it basically. Like we did not think you were going to make it. And so that was kind of a turning point too for me. It was like, okay, like I've got to get everything back on track. You know, my relationships, my fitness, um, and, and also the, you know, really the standard that I want to set for my kids, you know, It's like, you know, what am I teaching my my especially my boys who are still younger, still living at home, you know, like, what do I want them to see me as as their father, you know, Um, and so that was really a big thing for me um, in my journey, you know, since then the last couple years, I've lost like 180 pounds, Um, you know, I've still got a long way to go. But, you know, I and I think them seeing the journey is also really impactful, you know, seeing the day-to-day, you know, like, the the effort that you put into those things. And I think the other thing is what goes hand-in-hand, hand, as your fitness improves, as you become healthier from a physical standpoint, it makes you a healthier and just a better dad and a better husband, you know. When you are healthier physically, you're healthier mentally, you're healthier emotionally, you yeah. know, um, I definitely had a lot of anger, you know, because of some of the stuff that had gone on with my son and things like that, and so... Yeah, I allowed that to sort of manifest in a lot of negative ways, you know, and and I don't think it's at all a coincidence that as I have gotten back on track from a fitness standpoint, my mood is better, you know, my my relationships with my wife and my kids is better. And just how, even how I approach, you know, day-to-day life, you know, like I saw um, on Twitter, um, it was one inspired dad. He had posted like, you know, basically something like, you know, if you're flipping people off in the car in traffic, that probably says something about like what your mindset is, you know, just overall, you know, and I think just not being as angry, you know, I mean, it's one of those big things. And so for me, that's, that's kind of like, like I would say the, the big thing is, you know, there's everything kind of in the beginning and then there was everything after I kind of like fallen off a little bit, you know? Um, But I think it's one of those things, like I said, where, you know, it really just comes down to the example we're setting, you know, for our kids, and yeah. you know, showing them what's important and what they need to value and those types of things. So, um, it's kind of a a long winded way of saying it, but that's definitely I feel like the big thing that has has really shaped me. So, yeah, that's awesome though,
0: and it's I agree with all that. It's it's so important. I I recently tweeted that it's such a cop out when parents say do as I say, not as I do. It's like you you can't be you can't be doing that because the kids are watching everything in there. You can say stuff to them. Sure. And they might do it in the moment, but it's more of like a foundational thing. Cause if they, if you say, get off your screen, go play outside. And then you're sitting outside with them on your screen. It's like, there there's just such a disconnect with that, your message versus your reality.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things too, where, you know, you're kind of showing you're, you're devaluing it whenever you're not following through, with what you're asking them to do, you know? And that's something that's funny because there'll be various times when my wife and I will talk about that, you know, where it's like, you know, she'll kind of remind me, you know, cause I'm, you know, I'm, you know, still like we all, we all have our faults, you know, for me, like, you know, I fully admit like my temper is one of those things where, you know, I'm a high school football coach, Italian, you know, and it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, I will lose my temper sometimes and my wife, you know, will, kind of remind me sometimes subtly, sometimes not so subtly, but it's like, you know, Hey, like you're getting onto them. Cause they're fighting and aren't yelling at each other, but you know, you're also yelling at them as you're telling them <laughs> to stop yelling at each other, you know, like you got to uh, yeah. set the example. And it's like, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where we all need, you know, we all need accountability. So, you know, we, uh, yeah, yeah we, we have to, we can't just talk about it. We have to be about it, you know? And, and it's so funny cause yeah. like as, as a coach, as a football coach, I find there's so many things where it's like what I tell my players, what I tell my kids on the field, though it's the same, you know, as what you are trying to tell your kids at home. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. I want my boys to be the best men that they can be, you know, um, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, just as simple as, you know, like I really, and I have wrote about this before, you know, like try to teach them like, okay, like here are things that like men do, for example, like, you know. When you meet someone new, like if you're sitting down, like you stand up, you look them in the eye and you give them a firm handshake. You know what I mean? Like that is important to do just as a man and to treat people with respect, you know. And so when um, I had a proud moment, we were at a a football event and my son was there with me. You know, he's going to be a seventh grader; He's 12. And this other football coach uh, came up just to talk with me because, you know, just about the event that was going on or whatever. And we shook hands like I already knew him. So it's like, hey, how's it going? You know, and all this. And my son just stepped right in. He looked the guy right in the eye and stuck his hand out. And then he was kind of almost like, wow, like this is a little surprising. But then he shook his hand. He's like, hey, how's it going? He's like, hello, it's good to meet you. My name is Evan. And it's like, you know, I mean, just those little things like that where it's like that's a proud dad moment for me because, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to stand right up. I'm gonna I'm going to look you dead in the eye. I'm going to give you. A handshake and introduce myself you know and, and there's value in those things you know um oh, yeah. and, but it's because of you know he sees me do that you know like he will see us if we you're talking to someone or we meet someone new stand up firm handshake look them in the eye you know those types of things so you know the example we set i mean that it's and it's always those moments where you don't know if they're paying attention <laughs> uh or not but then oh, yeah. you realize yes, they definitely are paying attention. So, um, you know, and then every once in a while, they'll, they'll remind you, you know, like I, there's times too where it's like, my, like if I'm on Twitter, it's usually when it's happening, if I'm yeah. on Twitter, like responding to a comment or something like that, and, um, you know, one of the boys is like, like, uh, Dad, we're supposed to be playing right now. You know, and it's like, all right, you're right, you're right. So you can't get mad when they're, taking your advice and putting it on you so <laughs> yeah yeah it's
0: funny when they call you out on stuff like that it's like oh yeah yeah you're right i do say that all the time
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely In a world. big one for us too is uh your word is your bond i tell them that all the time it's yeah. to the point now where all i have to say is uh oh, your word and i'm like it's your bond you know like they know <laughs> but then it's like if nice. you even remotely try to go back on something you you said it could be valid you know where it's like Hey, we were going to do this tonight, but you know the the sink is broke or you know whatever. So now we got it. It's like, well, I thought your word was your bond. I thought you said we were going to do this, you know. And it's like, well, you're right. We'll try to figure it out, but we also have to fix the sink, which is now spraying water everybody everywhere, you know, or <laughs> stuff like that. So, but they, they get the message. You just have to you just have to be consistent with it. You know, you can't you can't fluctuate with some of those things. You know, something that uh, kind of a term that we. Use with our or a football program is the standard is the standard, you know. And so it's like, you know, if this is your standard, and this is what you expect, it's got to be that way all the time. You know, you cool. can't deviate from the standard, otherwise, you know, it's not going to be taken seriously.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then you just if things start slipping once you let little things slip, then that just leads to bigger things slipping, and you can't have that.
1: <laughs> yeah, next thing, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, that's. For me, it's like, you know, and I think sometimes even my wife is like, you know, you got to tone it down. It's like, listen, I do not want them to end up being 500 pounds and being, you know, sitting on the couch, not getting outside. You know, it's like that happened to me. I don't want that for them. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, yes, but, you know, just because they didn't want to work out for an hour with you, that doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to end up, you know, by tomorrow being, you know, rolling off the couch and not doing anything. So, yeah, you know. I've
0: talked about that with my wife before because she says that I I expect too much. And so, <laughs> so I, well, I mean, I say I, she expects too little, so it, it balances out nicely. <laughs> right. Right. So I'm, exactly. I'm pushing too hard and she's like, Oh, we'll just let it slide. And the sure. combination of both of us
1: brings it back to the middle and I'm just going to keep pushing harder
0: yeah. so I can have a little more favorite on
1: my side. but. <laughs> I always describe um, marriage as like a like a strainer, like a kitchen strainer. If you don't balance each other out with your strengths and weaknesses, then it's like a strainer, things are going to leak through. You might catch some stuff. Yeah. You know, you're going to catch the big stuff, but you're going to lose a lot of the little stuff and eventually that little stuff is going to matter, you know? So oh, yeah. um, my wife and I are are very very similar in a lot of ways, but we're also very very different in other ways, and that's a good thing, you know, like yeah, I I, I would not want it to be a situation where we were the exact same in every way because you know you're going to lose things that way you know um i am very much a do now and think about it and figure it out later whereas my wife is very very much a well hold on do we do we have a plan like you know have we thought about all the possible ways is it going to go wrong you know and then eventually we'll get to the the doing part and so but you know i think she saved me from making a lot of stupid decisions over the course of our time for sure. But then at the same time, I've kind of gotten her to do things that, you know, she probably would not have done if I had not sort of, well, I say push oh, her yeah. along, but actually it's like dragging her along. Cause I'm like, Hey, <laughs> let's just do it. You know, we right. will figure it out, but let's just go do this right now. So yeah. yeah, you know, there's gotta be a balance for
0: sure. Let's build the plane right as we jump off the cliff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I appreciate about your account is not only just the dad related stuff, but you talk about marriage quite often. And I noticed you recently said it was your fourteenth wedding anniversary. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. In June it was our um our fourteenth wedding anniversary. We've um, we've been together in some capacity going on nineteen years. Oh. Um but yeah, but we've been married for fourteen. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because Um, when, when I mentioned, you know, I had been in the hospital previously and originally I, my thought was like, I want to share my story and I'm going to write a book. That was my original thought. And not to say that I, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually working on like kind of making an ebook, um, that I'm eventually going to put out. But, um, but I kind of came across deciding to do Twitter instead just because it's, you know, it's more interactive, you know, it's. Yeah. It's one of those things where you can still write and you can still put things out there, but it's also interactive and you're kind of building actual relationships with people. And, you know, one of the things that I kind of figured out early on in sort of the the journey, which, I mean, it's still early, really. I've only been doing it for, you know, I guess not quite six months. But um, yes. one of the things that I kind of figured out was like, you know, as I would read other things, a lot of the stuff that people were writing about, um, with relation to marriage really was resonating with me. And I felt like, you know, my account is dad dynasty, but, you know, in order to really build the dynasty part, you know, it starts with your marriage, you know, and, and that's really kind of the foundation for everything else. You know, you definitely don't have a dynasty without a strong supportive marriage, you know? And so. that's something that really resonates with me. Um, you know, and and so that's why I kind of have started writing a lot about the marriage aspect too. Um, and I also think it helps to be able to offer different perspectives, you know, um, you know, I'll fully say like some of the stuff that I write about stems from conversations that I have with my wife, you know, and she might say, Hey, you know, like, um, you know, what about this? You know, like when it comes to something like we're trying to do with our kids or with the house and it's like, I'll think about it. And then, you know, I'll be sitting there thinking and then thinking and thinking some more. And then an hour or two later, it's like, you know what, I'm going to write a thread about this because I've got a lot to say about it. And yeah. it's kind of funny. Cause every once in a while, my wife is on Twitter. She doesn't like comment and, and post a lot, but she is on there and she'll sometimes, she reads, you know, almost everything that I write. And yeah. there are times where she'll like, Tell me, like, let's make. Like, oh, I'm glad I can inspire your thread today. <laughs> you know, <'cause> it's like, <laughs> you'll see that, like, what she was talking about is like what I write about. Um, but she's she's a math teacher, so she's not into the like the writing part of it. But but she yeah. has a lot of good ideas, and so, um you know, I think it's important, you know, to talk about the full to be the full scope of talking about dad life. You have to also, in my opinion, talk about your marriage because, like I said, you can't have a dynasty without the marriage, and so. Yeah, um, I do. I, I like to talk a lot about that. Um, you know, I think it's kind of funny because in society right now, you see this whole sort of shift in the culture where it's like, you know, they say, um, you know, basically, like, if you're good to your to your wife, if you treat her with respect, respect and, and with dignity, that it's like, well, you're a simp, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, you know, they basically like that. it like that makes you a lesser of a man, you know, and it's like, yeah. No, no. Like men who treat women with respect are are real men, you know, and and doing it the right way. Because, um, you know, like I, for me, you know, my wife is a very strong-minded, strong-willed, independent woman, and yeah. she could probably handle everything even without me. <laughs> but at the same token, like you know, I take pride in in supporting her and in doing things for her, you know, and, and yeah. so. You know, that's something that I think we need to get that message out there, you know, because, you know, a lot of dad Twitter is focusing on the dad part, which is, you know, rightfully so. But I think it's also really important to talk about, again, going back to setting that example, you know, I want my sons to treat their future wives a certain type of way, you know. Yeah, exactly. and, and also my, uh, my daughter, you know, she's a young woman now. She's going to be 22 in October. I want to set the standard for what she believes she should expect, you know, for her future husband. Yeah. You know, I had such a, just such a proud, proud dad moment. Um, a couple months ago, she, she called and was talking to my wife and I, and there was a, a guy that she was basically, um, like kind of like dating. It wasn't like serious or whatever. And basically she told us that, um, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm not seeing him anymore. And I was like, well, why not? He doesn't work hard. She's like, he's always showing up late to work. He's always telling me he's not going to work. I can't be with somebody who doesn't have a strong work ethic. And I was just like, oh man, thank you Jesus. You know, like, I mean, that's a proud dad moment right there. You know, be like, we've done something right. You know, by yeah. no means have we done it all right, but we've done something because if she's valuing work ethic from a potential person she's going to date, then that's that's good in my book. So you know, yeah. I think um, you know, I, it is something that you know, I really like. I said I'm passionate about putting out there because. You know, I think it's important to to give people some ideas or perspective on that part of it because, you know, like I said, within the dad twinter sort of community, you don't see that part as much. But I, you know, I think it's still equally as important.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you can't be a dad without the wife,
1: so it's exactly it's, it's like a huge component of it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, and, and what I've kind of you know learned through trial and error is it's like you know when you become a parent, and especially for us, whenever going through all this stuff with our son, it's like, you know, you go into parent mode and it's like, I got to put all my energy into being a parent. And it's like, well, wait a second. Actually, you you got to focus on your marriage first and then work into, you know, the, the parenting part of it. It's kind of like, you know, they always say, like, if you're in a plane yeah, it's and it starts to have a problem, <laughs> you know, and, and you got to put your own oxygen mask on before you help anybody else. Because if you pass out because you can't breathe then you can't help anybody and i think um you know if you don't take care of your marriage and if it's not you know on point you're not really the doing as good of a job as you could be as a parent in my opinion so i think it really you know it, it has to start there
0: yeah i completely agree and that's something i've been working on recently i mean my daughters at like I don't know, fourteen or fifteen months. So we've almost been exclusively focused on keeping her alive for the past year and a half or so. Sure. So now that she's a little more capable and less floppy and mushy, and uh, a lot more resilient, as I said uh, recently, I was like, all right, let's uh let's go on a date." Like it's been it's been like eight months. We gotta we gotta focus on uh, us a little bit and build us back up. It's not it's not that we were diminishing or anything, but it was just exclusively focused on our daughter. Cause like you said, she's a little baby. So it's, it's important to keep her alive right now.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what you just said is so important. It's like, it's not that we were diminishing, but we still need to work on us. And I think that's where a lot of people sort of, they fall into that trap a little bit, you know? And I think it's good that you kind of recognize that because just because you're not diminishing, that also doesn't mean that you're growing. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I have become, you know, very very passionate about growth you know and improvement you know i i'm a firm believer that you know we only got one one time on earth you need to make the most of it and the only way to really make the most of it is to continually try to find ways to get better you know and and so i don't want to settle for just we're doing you know we're we're just kind of coasting by you know um it's kind of funny that you know my wife and i literally sometimes have this conversation she's like you know we're doing okay. Like everything is fine, you know? And and it's like, well, okay. Yeah. But, but isn't there a way that it can be better though? You know, (laughs) she's like, just calm down. Like we're, we're fine. You know? Um, Because I almost have developed like almost like a complex about it because it's like, you know, when you know, like coming from where I was a couple years ago and, and, you know, not being present, you know, not, you know, really doing what I needed to do as a husband or as a father, you know, knowing that, I mean, we were, we, we were not like, we weren't separated or anything like that, but like it was getting to a point where like it was getting close to that, you know, just cause it's like, you know, yeah. my wife is kind of to a place where it's like, well, I don't really know like what else to do to get you to take care of yourself. Like, you know, I don't, something has to happen. And then, you know, for me, like, I mean, something did happen, you know, God stepped in. It was like, we're going to do this. You don't want to do it the easy way. We're going to do it the hard way, so to speak. But, um, kind of the only like my thing is now kind of working through like okay i don't have to prove myself like we're okay yes we want to keep growing but at the same time i don't have to like overcompensate for lost time you know like you just you start wherever you're at and you just kind of work forward from there um you know it's kind of like when you're working out you know no matter how unhealthy you are when you start you know just working out for five hours a day because you're trying to make up for lost time is not the way to go. You know, like you, you have to do like sustainable practical things. And I think, you know, the parallels between that and then also your relationships, you know, there, there's a lot of them, you know, you you can't overcompensate for things you weren't doing. You know, you just have to start where you are and, and start doing things like, you know, you mentioned going, going on a date night, you know, um, Ironically enough, you know, one of the things that my wife have done for the last probably, I guess, about year and a half is we have a standing, um, you know, tradition where like on on the weekend we go on a day date where we um, we go out to lunch and then we we do the grocery shopping. But it's also time for us to spend quality time together. And we'll, you know, we'll plan the week out. We do a meal plan for the week. We plan out all the activities for the week that we know we have coming up. And then we also just, we just spend time, you know, there's nothing like wandering around Walmart, you know, just talking, you know, and talking about life and talking about stuff. But, but for us, it's like, that's a set thing, you know, it's like, even like doing this, this podcast, you know, I chose in the morning because later on this afternoon, I know like we're going on our day, date, you know? And, And so that's like something for us that like, that's important, you know, time for us. So I think, you know, it's such an important thing, you know, just to find ways to, um you know to to connect and, and i think there's this misconception where it's like well you know i don't have the the money for that or this that's like there's lots of stuff you can do for free you know i mean yeah, just have, take a walk. You know, have a picnic in the living room you know like you know you mentioned as you, you know your daughter is getting a little bit older like it could be even be like while she's taking a nap you know like it just there's a way to find time you know and it doesn't have yeah. to be anything extravagant you know but just ways to connect you know i think it's um extremely extremely important you know and i think it's also important to find things that sort of meet like your you know your personality and like i know people know about like the love languages you know i think that's also important you know one of the things that i think and i i know i make this mistake i i try to be more aware of it but you know you know we're also human but you know we have a tendency to try to like express our love through our own love language, like what we need, (laughs) you know? And the reality is, is that if like, if you really want to like show them, like do it in the way that they are most receptive to, you know, I mean, like for me and my wife, like our love languages are not the same at all, you know? So it's, it's important to figure that out, you know, and understand that, you know, for me, you know, my, I, my two big ones are quality time and physical touch. And it's like, okay. You know, my wife understands that. So like even something as simple as like when we're like in the kitchen making dinner and she just kind of like, you know, like rub my back a little bit as she's walking by, you know, like little things like that. Yeah. My wife, her big one is acts of service, you know, and it's taken me, you know, 14 years of marriage, but I finally <laughs> figured it out that the more that I do around the house to show her, You know, hey, like, you know, I'm doing these things for you, the more receptive she is to that, you know, because I'm sitting there going, well, you know, I'm always trying to spend time with her and I'm always with her and I'm constantly trying to hug on her and, you know, kiss her on the forehead or, you know, hold hands on this. And it's like, and she does it, but it's like, man, she just doesn't, you know, seem to really enjoy this as much as I do. And it's like, oh, man, you know, (laughs) dummy, it's because, you know, her love language is not the same as yours. You know, she enjoys it, but not like you do. So oh yeah you know that's a big it's a challenge for all of us we have to figure it out
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and just remembering it too because like you said we're (laughs) both we're both cognizant of it but just remembering that oh yeah this is what i
1: like (laughs) right exactly that's funny Like you know it and then you get into the middle of it and it's like oh wait a second now i have to i have to train myself to always remember it so yeah
0: um, so what would you say your current training is like right now i think it's going to be a little more complicated now the football season's starting no or do you train with the
1: guys um well a long time ago whenever I, I was actually for about 5 years i was in the weight room i was the strength training teacher um for the program <clears throat> and so that made it a little easier cuz i i was in the weight room all day yeah i am now i'm not um i'm actually uh, an english teacher and so um you know good for the writing part you know for twitter and stuff but <laughs> um but not for the training part um the big thing is for me um i've at least got you know i don't have a ton of um like 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 i see like you've got a, a whole rack and all that yeah. type of stuff okay. at home i don't have all that but i do have like various like sets of dumbbells and resistance bands and stuff like that so for me especially during the season the big thing is like at home workouts um you know um i try to utilize the weekends for that part especially because um you know at the very least saturday and sunday that's two days for sure no matter what that i can do you know it's it becomes more of like whole body workouts every time i work out just because it's like hey i gotta make the most use of my time and stuff like that um and then the other part for me which is like not so much like formal but definitely makes a difference is i'm constantly harping on my kids like well what do you want to do like for just to get movement you know in particular um whether it be like walks you know out the steps especially during the season is not an issue like most days whenever <laughs> between school and then going to football practice i'm usually getting anywhere from 15 to 25,000 steps a day like yeah. friday nights when we have a game and everything else it's usually 20 to 25,000 steps for sure yeah um, so up and down it, the sidelines <laughs> right exactly exactly and so um you know getting the steps in on a daily basis is usually never a problem. But, you know, um trying to just be as active as possible with my kids. You know, even after we've gotten home from everything, wrestling matches at our house are very, very, <laughs> very, very popular thing. Um, my fun. boys are are 12, like I mentioned, and, you know, they're getting to be pretty big. The one of them yeah. um, he's I don't like to admit this, but he's he's almost he's closing on being almost as tall as I am now at this point. And so, you know, he's, he's 12 and he's already like five, seven. So, you know, um, you know, in another year or two, he's going to be definitely as tall as me. I'm like five eleven. So, you know, he's probably going to be, you know, before long, he'll probably be taller than me. And so it's like, it's getting harder and harder to wrestle both of them at the same time. Cause of course with twins, you know, they're going to come at you both at the same time. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, um, you know, but, but it's a good workout, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I wrestled in high school and, I mean, people don't realize how just much of a functional sport that is, you know, I mean, you're using everything, you know, and it's yeah. a really good core workout, you know, there's nothing like having two, you know, you know, middle school boys on top of you trying to wrestle you and put you in headlocks and getting them off of you that, you know, like, will, will definitely get your whole body going and get your core <laughs> singing pretty good. Um, so that's a big thing for us and it's a way to do it, you know, even late at night or, you know, those types of things. Because the big challenge is just finding the most use of your time. You know, we only have so many hours in the day. Um, But, you know, if you you make it a priority, you find ways to do it. You know, um, like I said, even if it's little bits here and there, you know, and then utilizing the weekends. I mean, that's a big thing. Um, You know, when I have more time, it's it's obviously a little easier to kind of like isolate certain things. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to do – like chest and back today or, you know, today I'm gonna do legs and stuff. When you have less time, I think it definitely is is much easier to just do total body workouts each time you do yeah. it, just because you can hit, you know, at least all the big stuff and in, in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Um, the other thing for me is I try to do not exclusively, but almost exclusively like compound stuff to where it's hitting, you know, multiple things at yeah. the same time, just because it's like, okay, if I only have, 30 to 45 minutes, you know, before we start making dinner or something like that, what's the most, you know, bang for my buck, you know, and it's like, so I try to think about, you know, what can I do, you know, even like with set, a set of dumbbells, there's a lot you can do with, you know, various yeah. dumbbells, you know, I'll do, um, you know, like floor presses and, and chest presses, you know, rows and different row variations, that alone takes care of like the majority of your upper, you know, body stuff. I have one of the the over-the-door, like, lat pull-down things, which isn't great for both, but if you use it, like, one arm at a time, so kind of, like, single arm, you know, like, lat pull-downs, it it, it does a decent enough job for that. Um, The other thing is I've found that if you really focus, like, on the eccentric part, you know, of of the movement, you get more bang for your buck that way, too, because, if you know, like, if you, like, for instance, like, if I do goblet squat, you know, if I have a 35-pound dumbbell and I just do, like, say three sets of for gobble squat, that's not that much. But if I'm, like, if I slow, like, you know, like, like a three count on the way down or do, like, pause squats or stuff like that, it, yeah. you can get a little bit more bang for your buck that way. I mean, it's obviously not as great as if you had a rack and you do regular barbell back squats. But sure. it's also – it's better than nothing, you know. And that's, I think, the big thing for a lot of people that they need to really understand is, you know yeah. – Um, there's a big difference between what you see with like the 23 year old single fitness trainer who has no responsibilities, has no kids, you know, it's like, yes, they can go to the gym for two hours a day, do whatever they need to do. And then write about it on Twitter and and tell you how to do it. And there's value in that. There really is. Yeah. But for the, the guy who is the full-time job plus dad, plus, you know, trying to spend time with his wife and all those things. You know, you, gotta, you really have to understand something is always better than nothing. And then as you become a little bit more informed, you know, you can figure out how to, like I used, you know, earlier, like to make the most bang for your buck. You know, hit yeah. compound movements that are going to target as many different things at the same time. That's a big one. And then figure out ways, you know, to use what you have. Um, I will say that, I mean... It's kind of funny, but like I, I'm, you know, like I said, I've got two middle school boys at home. I, I'll i pick them up and squat them sometimes, you know, like, <laughs> um, you know, because it's one of those things where it's like, again, like, you know, and, and I've re- researched this too, even like from the football coaching standpoint, there's a lot of people out there, football programs, that at least one day a week they will do what they call like unorthodox lifting where they'll go outside and they'll do like tire flips or they'll do you know, sled pulls or other things, you know, yeah. not your traditional weight room. Um, you know, lifts. And I think, you know, there's a lot of value in that. There really is. Oh, I mean,
0: absolutely. there,
1: there's not, there's not a set formula in my opinion, that says this is what you have to do. You know, there's definitely certain like training principles that you kind of want to follow, but how you get there, you just, you got to make the most of what you can, you know? And, and like I said, Something is always better than nothing.
0: So, yeah, yeah, that's the biggest thing I notice with a lot of, <clears throat> for lack of a better word, just ignorant people that they think fitness is binary. Like, you have to either be in the gym for three hours a day or it's not going to work. And, like, that, that's not practical for real life. In your example of the uh, early 20 year old trainer, that was 100% me. And I talked about it on, uh, previous episode where I was just a complete asshole to anyone I trained <laughs> because I didn't have a, I was just a 20 year old kid. Like I didn't, I didn't take into consideration that, oh yeah, people actually have real lives and responsibilities. Me, I just go to work and then I train people after work and then I just drank the rest of the night. Like that was my whole day. And I did that for like a decade and right. I was, I didn't understand. And I, I called people lazy all the time. I was like, well, that was not correct but <laughs> right 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 yeah, i just i just didn't have perspective but like i said mm-hmm. pe- the biggest complaint i see is they think it's binary and you have to either work out 3 hours a day or you're not going to get anything and now especially after becoming a dad the flexibility and even myself personal routines is a key to being able to get anything sometimes i'll have to work out really early sometimes she'll take a nap I'll just do a calisthenics routine real quick. I'm not always going to be able to make it down into the dungeon basement to get my barbell routines in. And even to your point of like the tire flipping or the sled pulling, that's way more practical for real life than just straight barbell training. Um, Sure, you'll get the strength and everything, but how many more times are you actually going to use the muscles of flipping a tire for picking up your kids or groceries or... Pulling a sled with your kids or something, as an example. It's way more practical than sitting here just trying to squat. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Literally this week, of course, we're in our back to school mode for teachers. And so back to school means you got to like I had to move classrooms and then my wife moved in my old classroom. (laughs) So we're carrying furniture, you know, and then I have my desk is just unbelievably heavy. Once (laughs) I got into my room, my room was carpet and I was by myself in there. I didn't have anybody to help me. So I just pushed it like a sled push. It was yeah. exactly what it was. <laughs> pushed that desk all around my room to get it situated where I wanted it. Then I was I had to go to my wife's room and help her, um, you know. And then there was another teacher who had a really heavy desk. They needed help. So what did I do? You know, my wife's calling. You know, honey, come come help us. So I'm <laughs> going there. What I do? Push that thing like a sled. You know, like I'm pushing yeah. it, and and I can tell you, like for moving furniture, more more sore. You know, the next day after that. Than a lot of the regular, you know, like traditional training stuff, because, yeah. you know, real life functional stuff. I mean, it, it really is um, you're working things even that you don't realize that you're working until you wake up the next day and you're sore, you know. And and as we get older, you know, we wake up and we're a little more sore anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's something to think about, too. Um, and the other thing, too, is I mean, it's it's not necessarily the training, but it goes with the training. You know, is your diet, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people also get confused by that where it's like, well, if I just work out enough, I can, you know, my diet won't matter. So, well, actually, your diet has a bigger impact on, you know, your overall, like if you're wanting, like for me, I, I'm still very much in the weight loss mode, you know, and that's a big, that's the biggest challenge for me during football season, it's not so much the exercise as it is the diet part, you know, because, um, you know, we, we, we leave our house. We, we, my wife and I, we try to, as much as possible, we try to save gas and drive to school together. And our boys, obviously, you know, they go to school where we go. And so we live about 45 minutes from our school. And okay. so, you know, we leave our house roughly around six 30 in the morning. And, you know, during the regular, you know, days of practice, we're not getting home until about seven 30 at night. You know, wow. um, if it's a Friday night at the football game, we're not getting home until probably midnight or after, you know? Yeah. And so the, that's where it really takes a lot of the planning is, you know, okay, well, how can you, you know, do the best you can with diet knowing and recognizing it's not going to be perfect, yeah. you know, but, but try to be, try to balance. Okay. We got to have quick ideas for dinner so we can eat as soon as we get home. Cause you're, you you do not really want to be eating dinner at 9 PM either. That's not great either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, but also, so having stuff that's quick, but also like good for you, you know, like utilizing crock pot meals, you know, like using like, you know, like huh, my wife, she always gets mad with what should we have for dinner? And my, my go-to is always, let's do chicken fajitas from the crock pot. You know, we'll just have some chicken and some peppers and onions, put it in there and, you know, and it's like it's it cooks all day, and it's like it's you know decent for you getting you know yeah. chicken and also like vegetables and stuff, and it's like, is there anything you want besides chicken fajitas? And it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, sure, let's have steak fajitas, you know. <laughs> like, but uh,
0: pick your protein. But I think you know,
1: yeah. But like, but you know, but the diet part, you know, that that's a really th- big thing, and that's another thing where it's like it's it's so much easier for that twenty you know something year old who has no. Other things like, well, you know, you got to eat these specific things and, you know, and it's like, oh, well, yeah. yes, that is ideal, but what do we do, you know, if we don't have the ability to do that, you know, meal yeah. prepping is, is a big, big thing. You know, I think that's something that, um, you know, I normally like, I, we, I'm not always a huge breakfast person, but one of the things that we do do a lot of times in the uh, the school year, and even for my boys, is you know I'll meal prep, um like homemade like breakfast burritos, you know like in the on on Sunday, make enough of them for the whole week, you know, and so it's like they're getting you know, um you know whether it's sausage or you know ham or bacon or whatever and eggs, and stuff, and then we try to find like the um like the low carb like wraps or whatever, so, you know it's not great, but it's definitely again it's like it's better than the alternative. But that's yeah. definitely a lot better than whatever, like, processed stuff that they'd probably be getting for breakfast at school, you know? Yeah, it's better so than those I think,
0: French toast sticks or cereal or whatever all that nonsense right. is.
1: Right, exactly. And so, and I think that's the big thing. It's like, you know, it's all a matter of, like, comparison, you know, and, and understanding, like, well, it may not be ideal, but it's definitely, again, something is better than nothing. You know, you got to start somewhere. And I think um, just trying to be as practical as possible is also really the best way to actually – sustain you know whatever you're doing you know and i mean i've been guilty of this i need to lose weight all right well i'm gonna eat nothing but lettuce and celery and carrots for the rest (laughs) of my life and i'm gonna work out for seven hours a day and i'm gonna jog 17 it's like you're not doing any of those things (laughs) you're lying you might (laughs) yeah you might do it for a day and a half and then what's gonna happen is you know you're gonna be so starving because you've got no protein or anything like that yeah. You're gonna end up binge eating, you know, an entire box of Oreos or something, you know. And it's like, you you have to really be practical if you want it to be sustainable. So yeah, and
0: sustainability is definitely the key. What you were saying, it's, I mean, I I can relate to both sides of it because, like I said, I was that twenty year old douchebag who I was in such <laughs> good shape and I was a raging alcoholic, so I didn't understand how anyone else couldn't be doing it, and. Right and then now that i'm getting older um again just the consistency i think that's one of the the biggest propon- or components of it and you you just have to be somewhat consistent and realize you're going to slip you just have to be okay with that and it's it's not even a slip it's just it's just life man like <laughs> we're not yeah. we're not we're not competing in bodybuilding competition so who cares if if now now that i'm older if my my diet doesn't include ice cream. I know it's not going to work out for me. Like I, right. I'm, I've accepted that. And that's just, that's just part <laughs> of it.
1: <laughs> right. No, I, I agree with you. Ice cream. It's funny. You mentioned ice cream. That, that is literally like the weak point right there for me. <laughs> like I, my wife and I laugh. Cause it's like, I've, I've, I'm proud of my, I told her I the other day, I literally we were talking about this. I said, I'm proud of myself because I've gotten to the point where if we have like a container of ice cream in the house, I don't have it gone within like three days. So like for me that that's like, you know, okay, well, you know, we're not going to buy it that often, but when we do, it's like, you just, you you just don't eat it all at once basically, you know, like, um, because I think especially as you get more and more thrown on your plate, you're more susceptible to resorting back to like unhealthy, you know, things. I mean, for me, like I mentioned earlier, like, going through some of the stuff that we did for our son, like that is exactly what happened. You know, like we were constantly going back and forth from the hospital and it's like, well, it's, we're eating junk hospital food or we're eating fast food and, and, you know, and you, and you can get by with that type of stuff a little bit easier if you're way active or if you are younger and those types of things. But, you know, when you're sitting in the hospital room all day, you know, you're not active, you know, and that type of stuff. And then, you know, Stress, surprise, surprise, you know, stress also is going to cause you to, you know, retain fat and that type of stuff. And so there's not much more stressful going on than, you know, your son going through cancer treatments and you're going back and forth from the hospital. And ironically enough, at that time, I was the head football coach at our school and my wife was the head volleyball coach at our school. So, you know, (laughs) the fall especially was, I mean, it was one, it was like four months of nothing but stress all day, every day. You know, and so um, if you if you don't make things sustainable that you can do consistently, your go to is going to resort back to what you're doing before. And so I think that's why you have to really at all costs avoid the, you know, I'm going to have celery and lettuce diet because, you know, like that's it's not realistic to do that. You know, and I think for me, I've kind of reflected on this a lot, you know, and, and journaled about this a lot. And then over the last couple of years. Yeah. whether whether it's fitness or whether it's your relationships or any of those types of things for me one of the most important things is you know honesty you know I've wrote about this a lot on Twitter you know it's a big thing for my wife and I yeah. um you know honesty like unrelenting honesty is, is one of the like I would say like core pillars of our marriage for sure yeah. um but I also think like you have to be that same honest person with yourself you know you have to be you know willing and able to have an honest conversation with yourself if you really want to make any true progress or growth because you have to be oh, yeah. honest enough with yourself to be like you know what you're an idiot if you think that you're going to eat nothing but carrots and celery <laughs> and lettuce for the rest of your life you know what i mean like yeah that's just stupid like you're not doing that so quit Quit trying to convince yourself you are. And I think recognizing that, and like I said, having that honest conversation with yourself is important, you know, because to me, you know, a lot of people take like the kind of the old saying is like, you know, well, the first step is like admitting that you have the problem, you know, for me, that's not really hundred percent true. I mean, I guess it is on some level, but to me, there's a lot of people like, okay, well, I can admit that I'm overweight, right? Like, you know, you can admit, okay, I'm not doing what I should do with the relationships in my family. To me, admitting it isn't so much the thing as it is you have to actually be, you have to want to change, you know, I can admit that I'm overweight, but if I'm not truly invested in wanting to do something about it, admitting it isn't going to do anything for me, you know? And so I really think that, you know, having an honest conversation with yourself is so important, regardless of what you're trying to improve on, you know, whether it's, I want to improve, you know, my financial state and make some extra money. I want to start a side business. I want to be healthier. I want to have a better marriage. I want to have a more present relationship with my kids, whatever it is. Like you have to have that honest conversation with not only admitting that you're not doing it, but also getting to a place where you legitimately want to do something about it. So,
0: yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up because, um, for my coaching business, I have an onboarding questionnaire, just pretty standard questions. But there is an infinite loop inside of it, where uh, at one point I ask you how willing you are mentally. Like, are you at the point where you're ready to change? And there's like a slider or a there's a one through ten scale, I think. If you don't put anything besides ten, it loops back and it just keeps asking you. And I've had I've I've had several people drop off the questionnaire because of that. And I think it's a great litmus test because I don't want to waste my time trying to coach someone who isn't ready to change yet. So right. it's, it's like, it's like a little hidden, infinite loop inside of it, but it's a great way to weed out people who aren't ready. And, and it's not saying that I, I don't want to help them, um, but they're not ready to help themselves. So we're just going to be wasting each other's times at that point.
1: Absolutely. That, that, what you just said right there, you, they, the, each person has to be willing to help themselves before they can seek help from someone else, you know, yeah. Um, one of the big things that I'm working on right now within my kind of, you know, it's not really a business yet cause I'm not monetizing anything, but you know, my writing journey, I guess, you yeah. know, I started my newsletter and so I've launched that. And I, you know, obviously like all of us who have a newsletter, we're trying to, you know, gain more subscribers and stuff like that. But yeah. one of the things that I've read is like, you know, it's like, don't get caught up in the number. You really want authentic, like fans, you know? Yeah, people who are just like even like follows you know we all oh my gosh I've got five new followers but it's like but it's all about like quality over quantity you know it's much better to have you know three or four good quality coaching clients that are going to do what you're asking them to do and they're going to truly embrace your coaching versus having 10 people that are half-assing it and don't really care about it, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a really smart thing. You know, like if you, if you're not willing to even commit to this questionnaire and keep going until (laughs) you put a 10 down, if you can't even do that, chances (laughs) are you're probably not going to do this training program that I've designed for you. So, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: It it reminds me of a a quote. I don't remember who said it. I want to say Derek Sivers, but he said, you want like uh, a thousand true fans. Um, it's, uh, it, you don't need like millions and millions of people. You need like a, a core thousand that are just like actually engaged. And I rarely look at Twitter metrics. Um, but recently I've noticed that my impressions have like significantly dropped, which I don't care about. The thing I actually look for is the engagement and that number has been jumping significantly. And right. I, that's that's way more valuable to me because I'd rather exactly we were saying I'd rather have an engaged community of ten than five thousand people who just passively sit back and watch. Like, that's no one wants that, right?
1: <laughs> well, Absolutely. Want that.
0: Some people might want that. That's boring to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like you see so many things when people are trying to you know the Twitter growth hacks and all this type yeah. of stuff and. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, kind of like everything else, like, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that if you um, do all these things that maybe it will help you grow. But at the same token, the truth is, is that it's always evolving. You know, Twitter is not the same now as it was two or three years ago. You know, That's I was having a conversation wonderful. with someone um, the other day where they're like, you know, in my opinion, a lot of the the strategies, quote unquote, that people are are pushing are really more for like two or three years ago and it worked then, but it's not even really going to work now. Like the only way to really grow is to be unique, you know, because I mean, I just think back, you know, I started, I think, I want to say like it was February or March when I started, I can't, I think maybe February, even just since February, you know, like I've seen changes in, you know, the, some of the accounts or like how many accounts are popping up through the algorithm changes, like yeah. there's certain things where, you know, um, like people, like I used to only see maybe like one or two people like in the fitness realm, you know, whereas now I'm seeing a lot more people that maybe I don't have any like mutual followers or anything like that. You know, yeah. And that's actually one of the things that I do look at. Um, I don't know if this really matters or not, but like if I get a new so fo- if I notice like someone new is following me. And I'll look at their profile and see that they're not following anyone else that has any connection with me and I'm not following anyone with them. I do kind of look at that just because it's like, okay, does does that mean that the algorithm is somehow like putting my content out there more? You know, like if this person who I have no mutual followers with has seen something that I wrote and therefore they're following me, then either it's because my content has got put out there or if they searched, I don't know, dad or fatherhood or something and the algorithm put me somewhere where they could find me, you know, I do kind of look at that, but I'm a few like, I mean, the impressions are kind of neat, I guess. Like, you know, I've had a few that have had like, you know, 12 or 15,000 impressions. Like, Oh, that's kind of cool. But it's like really the engagement is is really where it's at. I mean, so much of these numbers that people are pushing, it's like, like they say, like a thousand is like, that's, you're in the top 3% if you get a thousand followers and it's like, okay, but, But if you have a thousand followers, but you can't get anybody to subscribe to your newsletter or you can't, you know, you can't get anybody to join your coaching group or you're not getting anyone to buy your digital product or whatever you're doing. Like, you know, that's like, man, you know, that really is the key right there. You know, like I'd rather stick with, you know, I'm I'm closing in on I'm just under like 400 followers right now. I'd rather have four or five hundred followers. But have people consistently, like when I eventually put out a, a digital product, have people actually buy that because that means they actually care about what I have to say yeah. versus having 5,000 followers, but nobody's buying anything, you know? Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of like what your own like personal goals are really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm the exact same way. Like I said, I, I rarely look at it, but recently I've noticed that the engagement has gone up a lot. And that's the only reason I looked at it is because there's a lot more interactivity with things I have been commenting on or just posts that I have made. And that's that's exactly why I'm here. I I want some sort of community because I'm lacking it in real life. So it's nice to be able to have, I mean, these podcasts are a perfect example of it. Um, (laughs) I like being able to chat with cool and interesting people that I never would have met in real life
1: probably. Right. Absolutely. Like it's so funny because when you're in your day to day life, you kind of get matched up with people based on, like, for instance, I'm a teacher, so I just happen to interact with other people who just so happen to be teaching at that building, right? Like, yeah. they may not have anything in the world in common with me, but we're there together because we <laughs> happen to be teachers. You know, yeah. um, I think that's why, like, with coaching, like, like with football coaches, we we have a tendency to develop, I think, like uh, um, a little bit more of a bond a lot of times because even though personality wise, we may have a lot of differences. There's usually a lot of commonalities. Cause if you want to be a coach, you know, you, there are certain things where you're going to have things in common, you know? And so, oh, yeah. um, like my wife as well, you know, my wife and I have a lot in common. She's also a coach. I think there's, there's almost something about like our personalities as coaches that sort of gravitate towards, and there's something about that word. It's like, Hey, you know, like you instantly have a connection if you're a coach, you know? Yeah. And, um, the cool thing about Twitter is it's like, it takes out the almost like the guesswork because you, you can find people that by your own efforts, you're finding people that are, have commonalities with you. And so I think, I mean, it's cool. Like I've had, um, this is like, this is the first podcast that I've been on, but I've also just done like regular calls with some other people that I've met on Twitter. And it's like, you know, just meeting people and getting to know people. It's like, there's really cool stories out there. You know, there's, there's really cool, um, people that are really have a lot of cool things to say. Like, um, you know, like another person, like, I don't know if you follow like Andrew Harris, you know, like he does, um, you know, he's kind of like showing his journey along the way through some of the stuff that he's gone through with, you know, his fitness and, you know, he, um, you know, his, uh, you know, family journey and stuff. And like, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy Ginn is another guy who, you know, he does talk about on Twitter where it's like, you know, he was on the verge of divorce, you know, and now he's, you know, re reestablished a tremendous family with his wife and his kids. And, you know, yeah. his family life is better than ever. There's just so many people that, you know, are cool people to, to just interact with, you know, and, and to get to know their stories and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I mean, there's a ton of people out there, but, you know, I just think like, it, it's such a neat thing. And like I said earlier, like, Originally, I started out thinking, well, I'm just going to write a book and I'm going to get my message out there that way. And, and there's definitely a lot of value to that. Like I said, I sure. do. it is still on the list for sure to to, to release an ebook, book the, the goal is definitely before the end of the year. Of course, I say that and we're starting football season. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But um, but, you know, the, just the interactions, you know, and building relationships with people, you know, that you you have mutual things that you can provide value to each other for is really cool. And, you know, it's funny because for me, one of the things that um I've had a few people say is they're like, you know, man, I just really appreciate you know, you know, to use that word consistent. Like, you know, you're consistently commenting on my stuff and all this stuff. And it's like, man, if I if I come across your account and I really it really resonates with me, I'm gonna go out of my way, I'm gonna comment on as many of your things as I can find. You know, like when you post stuff out there, like I'm gonna You know, I'm going to comment on it because I, you know, there's definitely something about your message that really resonates with me. And I want to, you know, really just interact over that stuff because I think that's, you know, it's, it's something that that's why we're here. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's severely lacking in real life, specifically for me, just because I work from home. So I have even less interactivity with people outside of my immediate family and my neighbors. But yeah, I, I definitely needed some sort of community and specifically male camaraderie. I I really have a severe lack of that in my life as well. And that's that's gotta be something awesome for you, just being a football coach. Um there's that that I mean that's like built into football. <laughs> Absolutely camaraderie.
1: Absolutely. It's it's kinda cool. Um, you know, throughout the course of my career as well, it's been interesting um you know when you first start out as the young coach you're the youngest one in the room and you're trying to learn from all these people not only from a coaching standpoint but also like you know these guys are all their husbands their fathers and you know you can kind of see both the good and the bad of you know like what other people have done and all that and you know you kind of slowly work your way up the ranks in terms of the coaching but you also there's a shift in the room where at some point you're looking around it's like dang you know I'm not the old, the youngest guy anymore, you know? I mean like I'm not old by any means. I'll, I'll be um I'll be 38 here in a couple months, but like you know, on our staff, I'm definitely on the older side of our staff versus the younger side. You know, I mean, we've got a couple of coaches on our staff that are older than me, but you know, I'm definitely closer to the the top than the bottom, you know? And yeah. so I think at some point there's even that shift where it's like, you know, now I I can provide you know for lack of a better term some words of wisdom you know like for some other people and but also still learn you know like the place i work right now our head coach is um you know he's a really great man you know he i think he's in his early 50s so he's still you know several years older than me but you know um i've learned a lot from him you know not so much from the football side of things but just you know about growing in my faith and and growing you know as a person and growing you know. We have a lot of really deep conversations about, you know, fatherhood and being a husband and growing a, as a Christian and yeah. you know how all those things fit together and stuff like that. And so, you know, the the there is there's a certain level of camaraderie there. And it is really weird to, like I said, have that changeover from, you know, I'm the youngest one on the staff to, you know, man, now I'm on the up the older half of the staff, you know, and I actually have had a couple of years in there where I was the oldest person on our staff at one point so it was kind of uh it was kind of interesting so can you share any memorable
0: moments or achievements you've had in your athletic career or coaching for that matter um
1: yeah so one of the big things um as a player i mean i I was fortunate as a player I, i was able to be You know, like, I was an all-conference and all-district athlete and that type of stuff. I was also, I mentioned briefly earlier, like, I did go to school briefly at the college level to play, which was, at the time, it was, like, this was, that was the ultimate goal, to be a college football player. Um, And then once I got there, it was, like, uh, like, okay, like, it was, like, okay, I can check that off the box. But I started, there was a shift where it was, like, this is not the same for me anymore, you know? Like, I, I don't have the same, like, passion for playing
0: interesting and
1: and then i um you know i i went to a, a, a different school i actually transferred back The my our hometown has a community college in it and i transferred back and went and started going to school there and then like literally i think it was like a week or two later i met which is now my wife we I, I had a part-time job so um i got into coaching you know right away and as a coach, I would say, you know, for me, the, the biggest achievement, I mean, we've, we've had a lot of good years over the years, we've made a lot of deep playoff runs, won conference and district championships. But for me, the biggest achievement as a coach is definitely just some of the special bonds that I've built with with some of the players over the years. Um, there's been a number of, of players that we've sent to college to play football over the years. <coughs> kind of my... Um, my, I guess, position group that I've coached more than anything else is quarterbacks. I'm, that's kind of my thing is I'm a quarterbacks coach. And nice. I've had, I want to say it's it's four or five of over, over the years. Over the years, I've had four or five quarterbacks that I've had the chance to send off to, to play football at the collegiate level, which is kind of a proud thing, you know, and sure. a couple of them I still, you know, really pretty regularly keep in contact with, you know, to this day where... You know, um, you know, just talking about, you know, some of the stuff they've done football-wise, but also just, like, you know, like, just life stuff, you know, and doing things, um, you know, in, in their lives and, and kind of seeing where their journeys have taken them. And, you know, I think as a coach that's really the ultimate thing is, you know, get them to graduate high school and then go on to do whatever it is that they want to do. Um, you know, I think – there's like this saying where it's like, you know, we're going to treat you like our own kids and like with coaching, especially with the sport like football, the truth of the matter is not so much now because my, my son in particular that plays, he's out there now, but prior to that during football season, realistically in a given week, I probably saw the the players for more waking hours than I saw my own kids, you know, during the season. And so you, um, you you get very attached to them. You know, you want to see them do well. You want good things for them. And so um, as a coach, that that's really the ultimate thing as far as, you know, being proud and, and the the, the biggest accomplishments is being able to help those kids, you know, grow and, and, and develop not just as, as players, but also as people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the
0: most crucial roles for high school coaches in general is, just building you up as a human. Uh, obviously, the athletic part is part of that. But more importantly, long term, most people aren't going to be athletes. Their whole lives or specifically professionals. But right. yeah, just, just building you up and giving you good values and just being a good human. I think there's a severe lack of people that have coaches like
1: that. Um, yeah, but- Absolutely.
0: I was just going to say, I don't know that, but just looking at the world today, it seems like that.
1: <laughs> oh, that's 100% true. And the other thing is, is that, you know, unfortunately, more and more of our players, you know, they have no father figure at home. You know, we, uh, we for a lot of our kids, we are, as a co- as a football coaching staff, we are the biggest and sometimes only positive male influence that they're getting, you know, in their lives and you know it's so weird Mm -hmm. because so many of the things that i write about on twitter and and, you know we all see it where we talk about you know the dangers or the the ramifications of fatherless homes and stuff like that and and i kind of have a i guess a bit of a unique perspective on that because i legitimately see it as it plays out in real life you know Mm -hmm. um i see every day you know kids and uh, who don't have fathers at home that maybe they see their grandpa or maybe an uncle or maybe an older cousin, but their dad is not around, you know, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, it's not a positive thing because you obviously, you know, you want kids to have their fathers at home. But I would say that what it does allow is it allows you to really grow that bond because, when they see that you want good things for them and when they see that you're going to be there for them, you know, they'll do anything for you. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've, that, that as is, I've gotten older and more and wiser and more mature and responsible. I've kind of gone away from, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still a competitor. I want to win. You know I mean? We're not doing this if we don't want, you don't do it. If you don't want to win, obviously, but I've gotten to a place where it's like, you know, um, It's not really all about that. You know, I mean, we're going to do our best to go out and win. And, you know, my wife could definitely attest, you know, she's probably listening to the other room nodding her head as I say this, but it's like the amount of film that I watch during football season is unreal. But, I mean, you have to, like, I've coached the quarterbacks and I'm the offensive coordinator, which means I'm responsible for the entire offense. You know, I call the offensive plays on Friday nights and all that. So the amount of film you have to watch to try to win is huge. But at the same time, as much as what goes into that. And I really enjoy the the strategic part of the game. Yeah. The truth is, is that even if we were to go 0-10, if we made an impact on a kid's life and he's a better human being because of that, we still won, you know. and it, Sometimes right. it's hard for people on the outside to see that. But, you know, that's why, you know, especially at the professional level and really at the collegiate level, you know, you see – Coaches getting fired all the time. And I always get a little frustrated with it because like, you'll see like, um, like on message boards, you know, like all these people talking about, you know, fire the coach. He's horrible. He's trash. He's this. And it's like, most of you have literally no clue what that man or woman, if you know, whoever it is, is doing for these people outside of what you're watching on TV. You know what I mean? Like, cause even at the NFL level and I've talked to NFL coaches before, um, cause a lot of times the, especially the assistant coaches, they'll, they'll, they'll shoot it to you straight. Um, you know, and even at the NFL level, you know, some of the stuff that they're providing for those people, you know, those players, even that are now grown men, you know, it, it's much deeper than just what's going on on the field. And so I think, you know, at the high school level to, to be able to provide that for, you know, a 14, 15, you know, up to 17, 18 year old kid is, I mean, it's, it, it, you can't match that you know you really can't and so I think um especially with the 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 real pandemic that we have of of fatherless homes I mean it just yeah. it makes the importance of of coaches not just football all coaches men's sports as well as women's sports I mean it's just it's so important
0: yeah no I agree and I, I recently tweeted something along the lines of I feel like if there's just one generation of like really strong dads would just step up then So many problems would be solved in today's current society, and
1: absolutely,
0: because you you're you're right on the front lines of that, and you're like the beginning of the funnel. And as you were saying, like even once the men reach the NFL level, there's like a a one percent of that, but they've probably had severe lacking. Their only father figures, their coach here college coach now the nfl coach like that's that's their father figure for their whole lives
1: i'm not right, saying absolutely. everyone but
0: i'm sure it's pretty prevalent
1: yeah i mean it, it's so funny because um you know people i i see this on twitter and i also hear it like even in real life where it's like you know i just don't know what's wrong with society these days and it's like well i don't think it's an accident that as we've struggled as a society we are numbers of single parent homes or even no parent homes has skyrocketed, you know? <laughs> um my my very first year as as a as a teacher, um I was like the ISS teacher, you know, where the kids go like if they're in trouble and all that. That was my very first teaching job. And, you know, in that type of a job, you know, the kids they come in, you don't have a full class, maybe a lot of times there's two or three kids in there only. They kind of just do their work on their own. They sit quietly. And so there's a lot of downtime as the teacher because you really only help them like if they need help and stuff. And so I started charting data. I started keeping track of the data on the kids that were coming in. And I I discovered this as a first year teacher, something very alarming. It was like 95 or more percent of the students that came in to that ISS, meaning they had gotten in trouble came from some type of a non-traditional home, you know, either they had been adopted or they were a single parent home or they were living with grandma and grandpa, you know, or just whatever it was. And it's like, that was a real eye opener for me, just from a a very, very young, you know, fresh out of college teacher um, where, you know, that that's a problem, you know, and that was like 15 years ago. It's only gotten worse, you know? Sure. sure. Um, I mean, we we've all seen the statistics of you know, it, you know, kids who don't grow up with their fathers and they're more likely to be in jail. They're more likely to get uh, have a teenage pregnancy. They're more likely to end up you know an, an addiction to drugs and alcohol. You know all these things, and it's like, man, you know, kind of like what we were mentioning earlier with the fitness thing. You know, even if you don't have it all figured out, something is better than nothing. You know, yeah. Um, and, and that's why I think you know, you don't have to be the, the super dad, you know, dad, I mean, that's, that's what we want to strive to be, but just being present is a great place to start. You know, like (laughs) I've had people ask before, like, you know, well, what would you say to people who don't think that they're a very good dad? Like, what would be your first piece of advice? And it's literally, it's like the first piece of advice is just to show up, be there, you know? Um, and, and don't just physically be there, but be invested. You know, like if you're, if you're playing with your kids or whatever, be playing with them. And we're all guilty. We do it. Like I said, for me, it's kind of the, the, the double edged sword, you know, I'm doing the Twitter stuff and that's also what sometimes keeps me from doing the things that I know I need to be doing. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, it's at the running Joker house. What is dad doing? He's probably on Twitter, you know, and it's like, well, you know, that's something I got to definitely like do a better job of managing, you know, and try to setting aside like blocks and stuff. But like, it truly is a case where it's like the biggest, the biggest thing is just show up and be invested. You know? Um, yeah. Even if it's something it's like, man, my, my boys, we just, we thought we were done with the Legos. They are, they're 12 now. We, we you know, they're kind of outgrown Legos and all this type of stuff. Well, um, my wife and I's anniversary is June 6th, which if you don't know, like that's also the anniversary of D-Day for yeah. World War II. And so, they came across a documentary on YouTube about D-Day or around our anniversary, and they've now become obsessed with World War II. And so my boys, basically for the majority of their day, will watch World War II documentaries and now recreate battles of World War II with their Legos. That's so funny. it's like the other day—it's probably been a couple of weeks ago—I literally sat through a 45-minute presentation through Legos of various world war II battles, you know, I mean, my boys, they were, it was, they were doing D day, they were doing Stalingrad, they were doing, they had built a reenactment of, of Pearl Harbor, all these things. And it's like, you know, um, did I have other things that I could have been doing besides sitting, you know, watching a 45 minute Lego presentation? (laughs) Absolutely. But at the end of the day, is there anything that's more valuable than that? Absolutely not. You know, um you know my boys were were so proud of themselves i mean they spent hours building all this stuff you know (laughs) um they've even built like the country flags out of legos you know so i mean they just have gone all out they have this little lego table from when they were like four years old that they don't fit at anymore but they're still you know finding a way to get in there and it's like you know they're, they're loving it you know and the other thing is it's like you know they're not spending all day on screens all the time. You know, I mean they'll yeah. watch YouTube or you know, those type of stuff, but they actively do other stuff. They still have their wrestling action figures that they'll do stuff with. My kids go outside, you know, and play. And it's like, you know, yeah. I just think like if you want to know where to start, just start by being there, you know? Yeah. And and go from there. Because a lot of times I think it's easy to get overwhelmed, you know. It's easy to get overwhelmed really? as a as a husband. As a father, at work, you know, whatever it is. And so I think to try to combat that overwhelming feeling, the biggest thing is just, you know, start small and just stay with it. You know, like show up and and keep showing up and do stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something I struggle with. And I'm sure we all do to some extent. But um, I consciously put in efforts to be present and in the moment. And sometimes I forget. Sometimes I'm my I let my mind wander when I'm playing with my daughter or something. But it's it 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 takes a conscious effort, and I don't think it's just me. But it definitely takes a conscious effort to sit there and watch their little presentations. And my daughter (laughs) put my she she put she's she's ten now. She put on like a little um theater show for us the other night she she made like all these little paper tickets and she i sent her some apple cash because the ticket was like three dollars so i was like oh here's your (laughs) here's your fee for your ticket just to sit there and i mean (laughs) it was rough but i i made sure it was conscious and present for it because it made her it made her day and there's no reason not to (laughs) right absolutely it's difficult because I have so many other things I could be doing and just being able to set aside time to be present with the ch- your children is it's a skill I'm trying to work on and I'm sure we all are. One of my buddies, Justin, he has <laughs> he has it in his calendar. He's got allotted time to play with his children and I might have to do that cuz I do things like that for working out or just other things. I need to block out time. Cause if you don't, it's just going to get consumed with something else. But I found it interesting. He, he like showed me his calendar the other day. He's like, yep, here's the time where I have blocked out. I mean, it's not rigid of course, but yeah. as it specifically allocated, so something doesn't suck it up. And he, he says it's awesome because his daughter looks forward to that time at night. He's like, I know, I know I get like a, a full hour of dedicated daddy time. Like that's, that's great that she she's aware of it, too, and she's four or five. Sure.
1: Well, and it's like we were talking about earlier, you know, quality over quantity. You know, an hour of uninterrupted, you know, quality time is going to be better than, you know, we're spending all this time together. But are we really? You're sitting there on your phone. I'm sitting here on my phone. And <laughs> we're not really talking. We're not doing anything. Like, I mean, it is time. It is proximity, which a lot of people you know the proximity does matter but it's still not the same as like really interacting and yeah you know i think there's a time and a place for all of that you know i mean yeah. there's times where you know like reading is a is a big thing you know my wife and i back in uh, at the start of the year we did we decided to do like the one book a month challenge you know where we read at least one book every month all year and i've stayed consistent with it i've read like one book each each year or sorry each month My wife has read like, I think like five books a month. She's just like constantly reading. Um, But that is one thing where it's like, you know, we may not be like talking, but like we might be like laying in bed together and reading at the same time, you know, and then talking about different things. You know, of course she's reading like, you know, fiction about, you know, just like different things, maybe like, you know, people like falling in love or whatever she's reading. And I'm reading like I read grit or I read extreme ownership, you know? We're reading drastically different things, but at the same time, you know, we still, like, talk about with each other and, you know, and that type of stuff. And so, you know, again, like, I just think, like, the quality over the quantity is a big thing. You know, I think I have struggled with that part a lot, you know, where it's like I used to kind of be like, well, you know, we've got to do this and this and this and this. And my wife is like, well, just hold on a second. Like, you know, let's just focus on, like, doing this one thing, but do it fully. And then yeah. we can, you know, try to do something else, you know, probably goes back to, you know, what I was saying earlier where I'm very much that let's just do now and we'll figure it out later. <laughs> Whereas she's like, well, wait a second. We're, we only have an hour. We're not going to be able to do the 14 different activities that you just mentioned. Let's just pick one and do that for the next hour, you know? Yeah. So
0: yeah, my wife's definitely called me out on it before several times. I'm like we'll be doing an activity and she's like, where are you right now? I was like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm right here. She's like, no, no, you're not. Like I can see <laughs> you're, you're physically present. Sure. But you're not like, you're not with us. I'm like, all right. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm wandering. So thanks. I need that call out sometimes to pull me back in. And it's also good just because I'll just get lost in my thoughts and who knows what right. happens.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like at any given moment I could have something about like, you know, thinking about my newsletter, thinking about a football play that I really want to try out, thinking yeah. about something I read in the book that, I've, uh, that I'm that i reading currently or, you know, any number of other I random was. things that I might <laughs> be thinking about. You know, like, you know, why, why, you know, why is it a situation where, you know, this is that the weather is the way that it is today? You just whatever random stuff it might be. And, yeah. you know, like you said, those call outs are huge. Like I mentioned earlier, like honesty is, you know that, that that's a big thing. It's a big thing in our house. And, and you yeah. know what I, I, I write about that sometimes where it's like, you know, actually I, I did a newsletter um, edition of this on my one a few weeks ago uh, where I wrote like, you know, the truth is always right. You know, like you may not want to hear it at the moment, but it's always the right thing, you know? And, and if you yeah. can't accept that, then that probably speaks more to the work that you need to do just on your own as opposed to the other person, you know, it's, it has more to do with your lack of receiving that message. And so I think that's something that, you know, really is, um, it's important. You know, I, I don't think I that hear. you can have a really sustainable relationship without that real true honesty. So, yeah,
0: yeah, it's definitely, uh, one of the core pillars for my wife and I's relationship. And we started out that way and, I don't I don't think you can I don't honestly know but I don't think you can really not start out that way and kind of go back to it. I don't really know. But <laughs> yeah. We 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 started out and she said that was one of the things that attracted her the most to me is because previous relationships she would they would just not lie, but they just would say things that she they thought she wanted to hear as opposed right. to, to me, I'll just be like, um, no, I I don't think that's a good idea. And here's my reason why, I'm not just being a jerk. And she said that 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 really resonated with her and she's she's that way too. And it's it's important to be able to have that ability with someone you're spending the rest of your life with. You don't absolutely you don't wanna have to like skirt around things or try to make things up or walk on eggshells. It's so much easier to just rip the band aid off and be like, Listen, this isn't working. Let's fix it. Instead of, Oh no, there's a bunch of weeds here. Let's just ignore them. It, it, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. And thank you. Yeah, it doesn't I've, make
1: I've, sense to her. <laughs> Right. No, I've, we've had friends of ours that have been like, you say that to each other. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, we do. Because yeah. I would rather do that versus, you know, like you said, just say what she wants to hear or what I think she wants to hear. Yeah. You know, and it's funny. Cause like, even for us, like we'll, we'll call each other out on, it's, it's kind of like some sort of an oxymoron. We will call each other out on whether or not we're actually calling each other out. If that makes sense. You know, where it's like, are, are you, are you being honest or are you just telling me what you think I want to hear right now? Or is that really what you think? You know, yeah. cause like sometimes it's like, I'll throw something out there thinking that I'm going to get opposition and then she'll agree. And it's like, wait, what now? What? Say that again. You know, like you're saying you agree with this. Is that true or are you just saying that, you know, that yeah. type of stuff? But, yeah, no, we get we get comments a lot where people will be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you say that to each other. It's like, yeah. why? You don't, yeah. you know? <laughs> if she thinks I'm being a moron, I would rather her tell me, listen, I think that you're being a moron. <laughs> like, you don't yeah. need to be doing that. Like, that's, and like you said, though, it's not just what it, you're saying, but it's also, here's why, you know what I mean? Because yeah. nine times out of ten, for us, it really is that balance between, I haven't thought it through. Whereas (laughs) as I'm explaining to her, my harebrained scheme in her mind, she is immediately thinking like, okay, here's the ways that he probably doesn't realize this is just going to completely epically fail. So once he's done, you know, I'm going to be like, so what about this? And a lot of times it will just be uh like that, that I guess acceptance of, you know, Hmm. You're right. I did not think of that. So I'll be back in 20 minutes when I've come up with a new plan, you know, like that type of stuff. And the cool thing about it is like, you know, through that trial and error, that's where you really come up with like the best things possible. You know, like I kind of pull my wife along sometimes and get her to do things that maybe she wouldn't try. But she also, you know, I say she keeps me from doing stuff. But in reality, what she does is forces me to do it better so that it will work. You know what I mean? And so that really is the cool part about it. You know, like when you can have those honest conversations with each other, um, you know, and for us, I will say like, you know, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, like when we were kind of going through a period where like we were not doing very well, a lot of it comes back to kind of a lack of honesty, you know, like I wasn't being honest with myself. And then by, you know, contrast to that, like I was also not being honest with her, you know, I was like, you know, I kept trying to rationalize, like, you know, well, you know, I'm. I, it's not that I'm really unhealthy. It's just this, this, or this, you know. And I was lying to myself, you know. I was lying to myself. <clears throat> and so because of that, you know, and kind of being in almost like a state of denial, like I was lying by, you know, almost like lying just as part of what I had kind of turned myself into believing, you know. Yeah. Um. So, you know, once I, we kind of got through that, we're right back to, you know, where we were before, where it's like, you know, I'm not gonna tell you what you maybe want to hear, but I'm gonna tell you what you do need to hear, which is yeah. is so important.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely important. Not even just with your partnered relationship, but just in life in general. Like I I I have to hold myself back sometimes with my daughter because I have to remember she's a little kid. But because right. um, yeah, I'm I'm too honest sometimes with her. My wife has told me it's like <laughs> right, but it's it's different with your 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 partner. I think like we were saying, it's just like the, the foundation you have to have honesty with it, or it's just, there's just going to start little cracks here and there. And then eventually it's just going to crumble. And that's goes, it ties all into the collapse of our society right now. It's just, I don't think Absolutely. people people are honest with themselves and therefore they're not honest with their partners. And that's why the divorce rate is obnoxiously high and, And I don't, I don't know how to solve it, but
1: yeah, I, I I don't necessarily have all the answers either. I do think that a good place to start at least is, you know, getting like a group of strong-willed, um, you know, strong-willed, you know, men to be quality husbands and fathers to teach their sons how to do things the right way to teach their daughters, how, you know, what they should be expecting, you know, and and I also think like on, from the, the female side, you know, to have strong, you know, minded women to also be teaching values to their daughters and and to teach their sons, you know, you know, what they should be expecting from their future wife. I mean, I think that's not something that gets talked a lot about, but you know, I mean, I could only hope that my boys would select a future spouse that has a lot of the the same qualities that my wife does, you know, someone who is strong-minded, strong-willed, um, but also very loving and caring. You know, I mean, yeah. I think one of the, the initial things that that really was a, an eye-opener for me, for my wife, our daughter who is older, um, it was was my my wife's from uh, her first marriage, and but but I'm her dad, like I adopted her, and and you know, she's I'm really the only Dad that she's ever had, but one of the things that initially made me really attracted to my wife was I saw how she interacted with with, well now our daughter. You know, at the time, very first starting out, it was her daughter. Now now she's both of ours. But yeah. um, but you know, seeing how she was as a mom, I mean, you know, as someone who wanted to have kids and, and those types of things, it's like, man, like I know, I know what this is going to be like, and <laughs> and so. At that point, she didn't know it yet, but I knew then, like, this is who I'm going to be with, you know? And then, you know, we always she, we always joke back and forth because it's like, you know, she's like, I did not want anything to do with you at first, but, <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I guess it was a, a clash of wills and my will was stronger, but. Uh...
0: <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, I appreciate you chatting with me, man. We've been going for quite a while here. Um, great mm-hmm. conversations. Really appreciate your insights and not only being a coach, but as a teacher and father and the whole marriage thing. Like I said, one of the things that made me follow your account was just the all-encompassing picture, not just specifically on the fathership aspect, which obviously is a core part of it, but the marriage part is equally as important in my opinion, and I really appreciate you touching on all that and just being vulnerable and talking about struggles and things that work well for you might work well for other people. And I find a lot of value in those.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate it. It, um, I, I, I agree. Like it, the uh, if we can share the lessons that we learned through the struggles, that's, I think that's always going to resonate than just, you know, people, people don't relate to people that everything is great and wonderful and rainbows and roses, you know, like we, yeah. we, we know the truth that there's always struggle. And so I think, sharing that and being like you mentioned vulnerable, I think is the only way to really help other people grow and learn from what we've gone through. So,
0: yeah, we well, got anything to plug. I know you've got your newsletter and stuff going, you got your Twitter account. Um, got anything you want people to follow you on.
1: Yeah. So on Twitter, I mean, if it easy. It might, it's easier to type in just dad dynasty than what it is to type in my first and last name. <laughs> um, you know, my, my actual handle is at Jake Montalbano. But if you type in the search bar, if you just type in dad dynasty, um, i I'm, it pops up. Yeah. And then, um, the newsletter, the link to the newsletter is actually in my bio. So okay. if you find me on Twitter and, and you, you go on my, my profile, the link in my bio is to the newsletter and, um, comes out once a week. It comes out on Thursday mornings. You get like an email and, um, you know, I, I dive in a, a more, more detail to either, um, the marriage or the, the fatherhood aspect, sometimes a little bit of both. Um, but usually there, it's going to be something that either I briefly touched on on Twitter or maybe sometimes even just totally different stuff that I just, you know, was feeling that week, you know, but, uh, definitely packed full of lessons to kind of help grow as, you know, as spouses and parents. And, uh, so yeah, so if you... You find Dad Dynasty, and then, like I said, the newsletter link is in my bio. So,
0: right on. Yeah, I'll, I'll put all the links in the show notes as well to make it a little easier. But, awesome. Again, Jake, I really appreciate you chatting with me, man. had a Had a great time.
1: Absolutely, I, I enjoyed it too. I appreciate it. Well, hope you guys do well
0: in your season. We'll uh, we'll be chatting, seeing you on Twitter.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, no doubt.
0: Catch you later, man.
1: All right, see you.